0: When we're young, we move with freedom and confidence, with a great resilience to injury. Somewhere along the line, we develop poor habits and become more vulnerable to back pain. Smart Strong features evidence-based and practical advice to help you take back control of your health and get back to the activities you love. This is your guide to better health through movement. So join us as we demystify some of the commonly held beliefs about back pain and build your confidence to a stronger back. The Smart Welcome back to the Smart Strong Podcast everybody with me Ben James and my co-host as always Jacob Stay. Morning Jacob. Morning Ben. So today we're talking about pain and uh, introducing the subject of pain, talking about some of the pathways and interpretation of pain. Uh, Why? Because often the first time we're aware of any back problems or back issues or any injury Um, in fact is when we start to feel discomfort or we start to feel pain. Sometimes that can be acute and a really serious discomfort. And sometimes that's more low-grade pain that gradually builds over time. So we wanted to introduce the subject of pain, talk a little bit about how your brain interprets that pain, just to put it into context. And as always, we'll share um, some good videos in the show notes that will put this... um, visually uh, in video content uh, context and uh, and help to bring it to life a little bit because there are some uh, complex and uh, difficult parts of this podcast and um, there's some words there that may be quite foreign to a lot of people so as always there'll be a video there to help support what we're discussing today and then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, opioids and some pain Management and bring that back to what we're doing and what it's important that we do in terms of movement and in terms of awareness when we get back pain and back um, issues, particularly. Uh, Because, as always, we're about the movement, we're about the functional movement, and how we can use that strategically and beneficially to manage our back pain. So, Jacob, we're going to kick off and talk a little bit about anatomy, physiology of pain so feel free to jump in to contribute and uh, stop me at any point where you think that there's a bit of um, value to add or um, a bit of information that you feel is missing or could be explained a little bit better and then we'll go on to discuss a little bit about the, the opioids, how they work and then bring that back and circle back around to uh, how we manage it with exercise movement.
1: Sure. Yeah. Just go ahead, Ben. I'll uh, fill in where I can.
0: Okay. So pain. Imagine we've got a disc herniation, for example. We've talked a lot about disc herniation um, to date, as well as other back injuries and back, back issues. So let's imagine that we've got a patient who's got a disc herniation and they're experiencing discomfort and pain in the lower back. So how does that work? How is it that they get that discomfort well peripherally or distally if we like all of our joints muscles and other soft tissues have what we call nociceptors so we're talking pain sensing cells so imagine that the neurology the nerves the spinal cord the brain is all our electrical wiring system if you like within the body so Distally it starts or pain certainly starts with nociceptors and as I say pain-sensing nerve cells. So what they're going to do is they're going to respond to a noxious stimuli. So they're going to respond to some irritation. So the disc for example results in chemicals being released and those chemicals are going to irritate these nociceptors, these pain-sensing cells. Okay, so that's the first part. There's a localized discomfort that is acknowledged distally and then those nociceptors relay or what we call propagate that information through the nervous system into the back of the spinal cord. So as we've discussed before, you have spinal nerves all the way up and down the spinal cord, entering the spinal cord at different levels. So if you've got lower back, discomfort its going to be lower down the spinal cord and our sensory system our uh, system that interprets pain touch etc always enters posteriorly at the posterior uh, nerve root of a spinal nerve and all of our motor system our movement passes out anteriorly so the nociceptor becomes stimulated by chemicals and then that is relayed through a nerve, through the nerve root, posteriorly into the spinal cord. And it's important to say at this point, we have alpha-fast myelinated uh, nerve fi- nerves nerve fibers. And we also have C fibers, which are unmyelinated. And those are more poorly localized. They're the throbbing, kind of burning sensations. And that's important to just be aware of further down the line when we next discuss chronic pain and we talk a little bit about chronic pain because that's one of the reasons we want to set a bit of a foundation to talk about chronic pain later on and how we prevent ourselves moving into that um, into that status. So once those nociceptors have relayed that information, it goes into the dorsal horn, and that's in the spinal cord. So if ever you see a uh, Cross section of a spinal cord, you might visualize it as a bit of a capital H um, figure in the middle, the, the grey matter. Um, and imagine that uh, one of those is the dorsal horn. You've got a dorsal horn on each side and an anterior horn on, either, on the uh, front on either side. So at the dorsal horn, there's going to be neurotransmitters released, what we call substance P, and that's going to then help to transmit that impulse, that, um, that nerve information, if you like, to what we call a second order neuron. And that's going to cross or decasate the spinal cord and pass up the spinal cord in what we call the spinothalamic tract. And this is interesting because if you imagine the right side of your body receives information and it crosses over the spinal cord, to then extend up the spinothalamic tract. What actually happens, therefore, is that the left side of the brain interprets right side of the body. So pain on the right side of your body is interpreted by the left side of the brain, which is interesting fact for the day. So once that information is transmitted up the spinothalamic tract in this second-order neuron, it's going to reach the relay station, which is the thalamus. And the thalamus is in the brain. And from there, there's going to be a third-order neuron. And that third-order neuron relays the information to a specific area in the brain. And the specific area in the brain is, we've got what we call a homunculus, which again, when you look at the video, you'll see. And that's where the, the different areas of the bodies are represented within the brain. So the lower back is going to have a specific area. So that neuron, if we're talking back pain, is going to go up to that part of the brain, brain interprets, we've got low back pain. Okay. So in addition to that, we've got a descending system and we won't go into too much detail here, but it is interesting because this is how we understand how some of the painkillers work. So if you imagine, um, the ascending pathway is the acknowledgement of pain and it's telling our body we're in pain the body reacts to send a descending kind of inhibitory uh, system to help us manage pain. So what it does is it helps in a number of ways. So there's a descending pathway that inhibits that first order neuron. So where we said that that first bit of information enters at the posterior part of the spinal cord, at the dorsal horn, so at the first order and second order neuron synapse where those where those that chemical is released and that information is interpreted to relay it up the spinal cord our bodies will release serotonin and noradrenaline that inhibits this substance p so where we said that nociceptor is activated information passes into the dorsal horn and when it reaches that synapse it releases a chemical called substance p which transmits to the second order neuron and up so the descending pathway is inhibiting that release of substance p by releasing serotonin and noradrenaline and if you imagine that you've probably all heard of adrenaline and the fight or flight we reduce we release adrenaline so this is another example of how that adrenaline can work within the body another um, element of this pain inhibiting pathway is the release of serotonin and noradrenaline also stimulates the interneuron so there's an interneuron that releases enkephalin or opioid so if we then imagine opioid analgesics painkillers some of those common painkillers that we're often aware of we often take those painkillers to reduce pain So the way they work is between that interneuron. So they're helping to manage that ascending pain pathway. So they're telling our bodies or they're helping with the physiology within this pain pathway to dampen or prevent uh, this discomfort or certainly reduce it. And again, that inhibits the release of substance P. So it's also inhibiting action at the post synapse where that second order neuron is passing up information up to the brain. So that's a basic overview of the anatomy physiology of how pain works and how our brains interpret it. And a little bit of an introductory bit of information about how painkillers can help manage it. And I think as part of this series, we'll touch a little bit more on some of the pain medications um, that we see being used and that we see that patients are taking as part of their pain management, whether that's been given by the doctor whether that's something they've read or whether that's just a habit they've got into if they have access to some of these painkillers, because it's quite a complex subject. There's a lot of medications out there and used in different ways. But for us, it's, it's important to recognize how these medications can work, how they can help within this pain pathway but the big question at this point is should we be taking painkillers to influence this pain pathway because it's there for a reason or should we not be taking painkillers and should we just be focusing on well what's the underlying problem and clearly as you'll be aware our big concern and our big focus is on what's the underlying problem and what are we doing to take away that initial irritation? Because that irritation is there to make us aware of the problem. So once we're aware of the problem, what are we going to do about it? So Jacob, on that note, painkillers. Um, we talked a little bit just before um, we started this show about painkillers. And we're not saying, as some people might often think of alternative medicine and uh, alternative medical practitioners, we're not saying that all pain medications are bad and it's a bad idea. What we're saying, we've got to use them in the right way.
1: Yeah, we're definitely not saying it's all a bad idea, but we are definitely saying that, as you explained, we should consider how we go about uh, this topic, and especially when we're in pain, what what we do to alleviate the pain. I think the trap for people is that they they often end up taking, they have a busy schedule and they want to carry on with their busy schedule, they have children, they have, they have duties, they have things to do, and in order to do so they they do not consider what we just discussed, they go for an easy solution which is actually just uh, popping a painkiller and carrying on with what they should be doing. and. You know, quite often that the pain will go away. But there's also a good chance it will come back. And depending on how busy they are, it will not only come back, it might even get worse. And what we're saying is we're saying, you know, maybe take a moment, stand still, look at what's causing the pain. Uh if there's a recurring problem, usually at the same site, then you're more likely to actually experience a real problem in the future. We know that If we don't fix that problem, it's going to most likely build up to something that becomes a real problem later. Yeah, and I think,
0: as as always the case, or I I say always the case, you often see um, patients that will come in and they'll already be taking some pain medications. And if you delve into the history there and ask them a few questions, that pain may have been there a while and they've been taking painkillers a while. And often the story is they're no longer working. And the problem, therefore, is it's too easy sometimes, like you say, busy schedule or some of the worst culprits are those that are doing exercise because they just want to probably to continue their exercise. They're not looking at the underlying movements that are causing the problem. They're just trying to ma- mask the issue. And I think that for me is the key point is painkillers can be very, very useful uh, in managing that pain and that issue initially. If you, Clearly, we want to get you out of discomfort, but what we don't want to do is mask a problem only for that problem to get worse, and then those painkillers not to work, and then you subsequently or potentially take some stronger painkillers, take some stronger painkillers, and then yeah, and over time, regularly. and more regularly, because of the potential side effects that they can have, which is obviously another show in itself, but mainly because we want to look at that underlying problem so what we're saying is by all means take advantage in the short term at the early stages of a problem but probably more so if it's acute if we're starting to notice a little twinge and discomfort generally we're not going to need pain medications for that low-grade discomfort that's the point where we want to be searching for a solution to the underlying problem don't wait
1: Yes, yes, that's it. And um yeah, I think it comes back to the responsibility. you know, you want to take responsibility, and by taking a painkiller, you're just you're just avoiding that responsibility. Yes um, yeah, and and we, then we haven't even started talking about what what we're actually missing out on when we take this painkiller, especially if we take a, a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, an NZ we we're actually interfering with the ability of the body to heal the problem and what we quite often see is we see people taking or having been been recommended to take a high dose say the maximum dose of uh, uh, ibuprofen or nz a day for two weeks consecutive every day and then you have a massive interference in the actual inflammatory process which we so desperately need that uh, the that three-phase process to actually heal the problem and um, yeah I mean what's your opinion on that Ben? Yeah
0: I think you know like like you say um, we the, the the pain pathway is there for a reason to help identify the problem but we want to work to manage that pain but we also want to respect the body has an amazing capacity to to heal and I think it's back to education and it's back to understanding and it's back to where we go for our advice as well because you know it's it's all too easy and and I say too easy sometimes I think it's it's all people know to do is I'm in discomfort all of a sudden that's not normal I'm going to take some pain medication so people aren't doing it Always for the wrong reasons, Um, but the actions a
1: a cultural thing.
0: Yeah, and I often have this conversation with um, friends, with patients that we've grown up with a medical system that's been fantastic in terms of solving bacterial, uh, viral infections. You know, the antibiotics and the invention of the antibiotics was a huge. Um, leap forward for us, you know, from a health point of view, you know, in terms of um, longevity and and saving lives. But sometimes have we applied the same logic to all problems, you know, and therefore uh, a medication or a pharmaceutical is the first line of defence over a problem. Now, clearly, if You know, if you've got a serious bacterial infection, that makes sense. You know, and certainly this is the case for other uh, injuries and other health problems. But is it the right thing to do with low back pain, for example, straight away? If you've got a serious and sudden onset of low back pain, then clearly the first thing you're going to do is try and get out of that discomfort and you're going to take some pain medications. Completely understand that. But if it's a low-grade discomfort that you're starting with and then you're starting to take non-steroidal anti-inflammatories as an example, just because that's what I feel I should do or that's kind of the the medical way, as it were, then we're probably doing ourselves a disservice. So again, I think it's a roundabout kind of um, convoluted answer to to your question there, but I think it's back to the education and it's back to take a moment stop and think what is the underlying issue here and do I want to try and educate myself and understand what that problem is and try and adopt some strategies movement wise particularly as always with a focus here on the low back before I just start taking pain medications because how much of the discomfort is that masking you know at what point during the day am I feeling that discomfort and am I as aware of it because I'm taking some pain medications? So I think if you're my um, response to people is if that pain is really debilitating, then first and foremost, we've got to rule out those red flags. Because if it's so serious that you're feeling the, an absolute need for painkillers, then that suggests to me that there's there could be a serious problem. Or you're one of the unlucky ones that's maybe had um, a um, a disc a sudden onset of you know disc herniation irritation and that's going to be really uncomfortable um, and there are some other other situations clearly that are going to warrant it and people are going to need it but I think the advice from my point of view is that there's an underlying discomfort and irritation there do I really need those painkillers at that point and what can I do right now to help. My lower back, rather than try and mask the problem, because when you're starting to look at, for example, a pain diary, and if you're speaking to a practitioner and they're saying, "Okay, so when do you notice that discomfort, or what point of the day is it and it's worst, what relieves it, how can you answer those questions clearly?" If you're taking pain medications that might be masking the problem a little bit, you know, so it is a fine balance again. Because what's the takeaway for a listener? or should I or should I not take a painkiller if I've suddenly got back pain? Because of course, it is very subjective. You're gonna have some people that say, yeah, that pain's not too bad, so I'm not gonna take a painkiller. And then you're gonna have someone that says, I'm in serious pain, I need a painkiller. And actually, the pain experienced, you know, might be far more in the person that's not taking them, but they've just got a better tolerance. So it's subjective. So my advice, and the take home message for me is this. If it's seriously uncomfortable to the point that movement is difficult, then clearly you're gonna pick up some some painkillers in the first instance to allow you to get somewhere for some advice and, and, and move there with a element of comfort. If it's not causing you a problem in movement and it's not so severe that you can't get out and seek some advice, then clearly I would say in this first instance, don't take them because it's going to help with that examination and that history taking and help us identify what that problem is. At that point, once we've done that, maybe the advice is then to say, okay, happy, we've got the information we need. Now this is the advice with your pain medication whilst we start to introduce actions and activities that we know are going to be beneficial.
1: Yeah, and I think once you... Well, yeah once you take the once you understand back to the educational part once you understand that the the painkillers are actually interfering with the healing process number one maybe by disguising the pain trigger. so you'd be doing something you shouldn't be doing you know if you go through a day and you're very busy with your body sitting or driving and you for your job you know, you name it and Some of these things would cause you pain, and you take painkillers, and you just carry on, actually uh, aggravating the tissue even more when that tissue needs rest. That tissue is asking you for uh, a recovery uh, moment, and that's the the first one. Second one being the fact that we actually, if if we end it, we'd actually interfere with the the, the actual healing process. And I think once you understand that, from an educational point of view, you you can take responsibility, and you'd understand that, like you mentioned, you'd have to now find a way, find a strategy to refrain from the pain triggers, find a way to actually uh, allow your body, whether it's with uh, relaxation techniques, or uh, also maybe even paying attention to a a better uh, food diet strategy, you know then you'd understand that the whole thing it's you're looking at a big picture it's removing the painkillers it's removing the enzymes that's going to interfere with the healing process it's taking the step to allow the the the, the tissue recovery uh, if you have to and you're not really paying attention to your diet it's a huge aspect of your uh, rec what we're really looking at uh, as we said we're speaking about more the acute situation when it comes to pain at the moment, is that the, the body uh, goes in there and did inflammation, in other words, what you would feel as pain, uh, uh, restore the situation. But uh, if you're not allowing your body through the right diet, through, pain, uh, through paying attention to the pain triggers, then you're actually you're gonna most likely allow that acute pain to become a chronic situation
0: yes yes and that's obviously something that we'll come on to a little bit more in the in the following podcast um, and discuss the chronic pain uh, and the how we we get into that situation rather than go into that in too much detail but I think again back to one of the points of this podcast Um, In terms of introducing pain, but also that is one of the key goals: is not to move into chronic pain, because that's when things become a little bit more difficult to manage. So I think if you're listening and you're taking painkillers on a regular basis, you know that's where we want to start to say, well, okay, let's look at these movement patterns. Let's look at these, the underlying things we're doing on a daily basis. Let's look at that pain diary. Let's start to try and move away from those incidents pretty quickly or those painkillers, pretty quickly, or certainly reduce the amount that's been taken, um, so that we're becoming conscious of that discomfort, and we're, we're almost tuning into it. Almost The message is almost to embrace the pain. It's there for a reason. The body is giving you signs that there's a problem, so be comfortable with the fact. That you're aware of it. Let's now start to manage it through movement advice and through dietary advice as well. Which again will be will be another podcast within this kind of episode or series, should I say, of pain. But start to be aware of it and be comfortable with it. But be uncomfortable with it that there's a problem that needs solving. I think if you view it like that and you almost embrace it a little bit then you're much more likely to take control of it and you take ownership of that pain you control the pain don't let the pain control you and I think again if you take some of the advice that we're giving on the website and the podcasts then I think that's one of the first and the most important things it's the lack of knowledge and the frustration people have that There's a pain, there's a discomfort. What do I do about it? I take some painkillers. Oh, no, the pain's still there. What am I doing wrong? Oh, my God, I now need more painkillers because I've am i got back pain and I've always got back pain. There's always a solution. As we said at the very beginning of, of um, launching the podcast, there's always a solution to back pain. There's always a cause of back pain. So embrace that discomfort, embrace that pain, and as long as we can rule out any red flags or any underlying infections or other things that will need medical intervention, and we know that the majority of back issues are mechanical, let's start to take control and look at the movements, the bracing, the postures that we adopt, the breaks that we give ourselves on a daily basis, the walking routines, that are all gonna help the underlying tissues to be at ease, as in take away that irritation, take away that discomfort in doing that over a period of time, and that in some cases may be days, in some cases maybe weeks. It will vary, but by taking away those aggravating factors, then those nociceptors, those pain um, interpreting fibers, shall we say, will not be activated and then. Gradually, you'll notice that you're not in pain, and you're not in discomfort. So, it's back to as always, Jacob, the bracing, and the um, exercises we can be doing in terms of relaxation.
1: Yes, the the relaxation exercises. Wanted to say how important that is, because uh, people don't realise this. I think people don't realise this generally because we're so so busy, and we don't. You know, if we have a moment, it's a moment to to stop and eat and then carry on to go. But if you're able to take 10 minutes and, and do a tummy-lying exercise or do a brisk walk, you're actually relaxing the tissue from the strain it had when you were sitting. Uh, this makes just makes a huge difference. Absolutely, yeah. And I think, you know, that's really the take-home message from from
0: today is pain is there. It's there for a reason. And it can be frightening. It can be it can be scary, and particularly when we talk back pain, because it is one of those subjects as we've touched on before, where people think, "Oh, now I've got low back pain. I've always got low back pain." That's not going to be the case if you follow the advice and follow the advice and the videos that we that we have. That isn't going to be the case. But you have to take ownership. Don't be fearful. Embrace that discomfort. Embrace that pain, because you can control it with the right strategies you can absolutely control that pain without pain medications or certainly if you're taking them already you can move away from those pain medications very successfully but you need the knowledge and the education to be able to do that effectively to be able to do that confidently which is what our website's all about it's all about giving you the tools to take back control of your lower back pain, be aware of the exercises and the movements that are going to help you to do that and to help you to build a really strong back. So don't be afraid of that discomfort and pain. Take ownership of it. And I think that's a good place for us to end this podcast. Subsequent episodes are going to be about chronic pain. And then I think we'll talk about the nutrition um, element and how that can help with the management of low-grade inflammation and how that impacts inflammation and also maybe we come back and circle back and touch a bit about uh, more about painkillers and some of the other painkillers that we see being utilized uh, to manage low back pain and once again as always thank you Jacob apologies everyone there's um, a bit of a poor connection at the stages today so Thank you for sticking with us. As always, and we say it after every episode, try and get over to iTunes, give us a rating. It helps share the message. It helps get get the podcast out there to more and more people and we can continue to try and help with the management of low back pain, give people the advice they need to take back control, take back ownership and be confident that they can build a stronger back the smart way. Jacob, thank you as always. Speak again soon.